I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangled secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Crazy in Love is the true crime podcast that tells love stories with a twist. All of a sudden, she meets Steve, and it's like Prince Charming comes and sweeps her off her feet. Sometimes the twist of a knife. She was holding the shotgun, and she's the one who pulled the trigger. I mean, that blows me away. She would kill her own daughters to get away with it. Just because things start off with once upon a time doesn't mean everyone lives happily ever after. This is Crazy in Love, a production of KT Studios and iHeartRadio. I'm Courtney Armstrong, a crime producer at KT Studios, joined by fellow producer Stephanie Lidecker. Jeff Shane, Beth Greenwald, and Tim Hamilton. We're examining the story of the millionaire, the gold digger, and the obsessive lover. Steve Beard had been happily married to his wife Elise for 42 years. The pair had three adult children, and life was good until, sadly, Elise passed away from brain cancer. Just two weeks after his wife died, Steve met 30-year-old Celeste Johnson Martinez. The blonde bombshell worked as a server at the same Austin country club where the 68-year-old millionaire played golf. Celeste was a struggling single mom with twin daughters, Christina and Jennifer. Initially, Steve hired Celeste to be his housekeeper. But soon, a romance bloomed and Steve was opening up a new world to Celeste and her girls. In this world, money was no object. Celeste went from waiting tables to traveling the world in first class wearing designer clothes, and living in Steve's mansion. But the real icing on the cake was that Steve truly adored Celeste's daughters. 
Two years after meeting, the couple married on February 18th, 1995 at the same Austin Country Club where the pair met. Steve was a self-made millionaire. He was a bit of a media mogul. In fact, he had owned Austin's first independent TV station, which he eventually sold for millions and millions of dollars. And he was married to his first wife for 42 years. So he was a very devoted husband and self-proclaimed family man. When you really think about this whole thing, it's kind of like the sound of music, right? She came into his house to take care of his house and fell in love with the guy who owned it and their family soon moved in. He was by himself in this big house. You know, you start to want a companionship, right? But here's the interesting thing. Celeste was almost 40 years his junior and Celeste had come from a really rocky start. Like she had uh, moved many times. She had issues with her parents. She had gotten married several times. There was really no stability in this lady's life. She had two, uh, two children. They were twins. And she put the twins in and out of foster care in their very young, early lives. They don't even call Celeste mom. They call her Celeste. And when Steve came into Celeste's life, the girls were officially, finally adopted by him. This is like the first person they considered to be like a real dad beyond their natural dad. 40 years is a big age difference. But age is just a number. To have such a, a rough start in life and to end up finally meeting this guy and things really felt like for the first time in Celeste's life that they were looking up. And they're off to the races with a happy young marriage. And, you know, she and her daughters ended up living in this beautiful house with this great guy and they fell in love. Steve's might have obviously had a crush on Celeste before he moved her in as the housekeeper, but pretty quickly it became mutual because they started dating and got married rather quickly. But Steve was no dummy. He had Celeste sign a prenup, but it wasn't exactly that strict of a prenup. It stated that if they got divorced, Celeste would get upfront, no questions asked, $500,000. And there was another stipulation that if they were married for more than three years, she would get an additional $500,000. So if they were married for three years and got divorced, she stood to make a million dollars. That being said, if he died, there was the prenup was completely off. So she stood to make a ton more money in his passing. Plus, in Steve's defense, you know, he finally was able to find somebody new to love. Now he has an instant family. They knew that their dad had hired a housekeeper, but realized that things had shifted when they were going to the Super Bowl as a family. And, you know, who did Steve bring along? But now the housekeeper. And so when they met her as the house manager, Celeste says, oh, I know her so much about you. I've heard so many great things about you. And his kids turned to her and said, that's funny because we have heard literally nothing about you. They were proceeding very cautiously. Do we know their frame of mind? They did actually think that it looked like a charming lady with sweet kids because the kids, both girls, Christina and Jennifer, were really smart, intelligent, very respectful. And there are statistics that show that men who lose a loved one after many, many years, in this case, decades, that they really can't be alone. It's petrifying. So it's sort of the perfect storm or makes him the perfect target for somebody like Celeste. Also in Celeste's defense, you know, she's a waitress. She's trying to make her way. She's trying to provide for her children. Obviously, she's had a couple of hiccups along the way. And, you know, as long as there is 
air in people's lungs, they can start anew. And maybe this was finally her chance to really feel safe and feel at home. They all look so happy. They the do photo look that I'm happy. looking at, yeah, it must be at Celeste's daughter's graduation. And he is smiling, you know, Celeste look, looking in, it kind of makes for the perfect family. And also if Celeste didn't have a great background herself, which we know was the case that she was in and out of foster care and she herself was not raised in a stable environment. Yeah, she might have had some daddy issues. And now here she is. She finds this man who's very respected and has a lot to offer, not only financially, but probably emotionally as well. At this point, he's probably at the you know eve of his career. So he probably had a lot more time on his hands could really be invested with her children. And, you know, that to me makes a little bit of sense. Yeah. And looking at the picture, there's obviously a big age difference on paper, but he looks like a pretty young guy. So it's not like you're picturing Anna Nicole Smith and her husband, and it doesn't really look like that. Right. That's a good point, Jeff. And think about it. Now, Celeste's daughters, who had a really tough background and had, you know, literally no consistency, Now they have a new house and a new school and frankly, a new life with a lot of love. Celeste had a spending problem. And within the first six months of their marriage, she'd burned through $500,000. Three years into the marriage, Celeste grew restless and started cheating on Steve. Just a few years later, she'd squandered another $300,000 on designer clothes, sports cars, and fancy dinners. At one point, Celeste threw a lavish 18th birthday party for her twin daughters, and she didn't even invite Steve. He was frustrated and had had enough. He ultimately kicked Celeste out and also told her that he wanted a divorce. Panicked, Celeste threatened to kill herself. She put a gun to her head in front of one of her daughters. It was later discovered that the gun wasn't even loaded, but in any case, Steve stepped in to help his wife. And in 1999, he checked her into Timberlawn, an expensive psychiatric facility. It was there when Celeste met Tracy Tarleton, a fellow patient. Tracy came from a dysfunctional but wealthy family and was a University of Texas graduate. Despite being a manager at one of Austin's top bookstores, she suffered from bipolar disorder, substance abuse, and depression. Celeste and Tracy quickly became close friends. It seems like everyone around Steve caught on to the fact that Celeste was cheating before he did, and he was the last to know. I mean, she was hanging out with her second ex-husband, coming in late. She was spending his money like it was going out of style. He was just frustrated and he was done. Here's what we know about Tracy and Celeste. So Tracy and Celeste formed a very tight relationship at this rehab center. And that's one of the rules when you go to these types of places is that you're not supposed to really super bond or overly trauma bond, but they were really good friends and were excited to stay in touch after they left the facility. When they did leave the facility, however, They remained friends and they became lovers. So Tracy specifically, it said, really fell hard for Celeste. And yes, the pair continued to see one another on a pretty regular basis, but they talked to one another on the phone all the time. 
And they did like family things together and things out in public together. One example we heard about was that Tracy attended Celeste's daughter's graduation, which again is a very intimate family affair. And then Celeste also threw Tracy's bookstore employees a party. And at that point, Steve was sort of being very accepting of Celeste's new friend, but everyone else, including her daughters, did not buy it. And everybody around Steve seemed to know that she was, in fact, having an affair with Tracy. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. She's a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way. Knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Yeah, so obviously they're trying to work on their relationship, or Steve thinks they're working on their relationship, but Celeste wanted no part of that. She told her friend, her new friend Tracy, that she was doing things like filling his nightly vodka drink with Everclear, which is a grain alcohol and much stronger than vodka. So he would actually get much drunker than he thought and pass out. And she could again hit the town. What was she spending all this money on? Clothes, jewelry. She was going to the casinos. Something that happens also 
after she gets out of the psychiatric ward is that Celeste ultimately confides in Tracy that she doesn't love Steve. She's never loved Steve, that he's nothing but a daddy warbucks to her, that he's a ridiculous, fat old man, that he is not to be trusted. She's painting this picture of the narrative she wants people to hear, including her new girl. They're emotionally bonding over what she's explaining to be the abuse she's suffering at home. This is like something that Tracy and Celeste start to really develop their their relationship and sink their teeth into as they're growing stronger and time is going by. Here, Celeste finally has a stable home for her daughters, yet she's out and about gallivanting at night, kind of repeating the exact same patterns that she came into the relationship with. No, it's the exact same pattern. You finally have this, everything you wish you could have, and yet she just flushed it away. As if it didn't matter to her. She saw one thing, dollar signs. I'll also say that when Tracy asked Celeste, why don't you just get divorced? She would make up these stories and say like, she'd be hunted down and that she felt like a prisoner in her own home and that they would find her. So she was building up this world that didn't really exist to make everybody feel sympathetic for her. Because she felt as though Steve was going to actually come find her and that because he was very successful that he would somehow put a hit on her? Like, what was he going to do to her? That's what she was kind of saying without saying. But the truth was, a man who's high on 15 ambience because you baked it into his mashed potatoes is not coming after you looking for you at night while you're out with other men and other women. Yeah, but also he was going to divorce her. I mean, let's remember he was fed up with all the antics and was divorcing her. So there, there was a lot of holes in this story. And he was divorcing her because he realized what was happening. He did the right thing and tried to help her with putting her into this psychiatric facility and trying to get her back on the right path. And so that just goes to show his character and his kindness that even as he's being screwed over, he's still wanting to do this good for somebody who's doing bad to him and do good for the mother of the two children that he just adopted. But the daughters are smarter than you think. And the daughters really start to see what's happening here. And I'll also say with Celeste, even though they were getting divorced, she was able to convince him back to, it was a psychiatric problem. And he was putting the divorce on hold. Not only did he believe that he helped her, but then he believed that she was helping herself. So now she's like getting back in his good graces again. He really wanted to believe her and believe that this next time would be the right time and that she would finally change again. And that might have sealed his fate. It really speaks to Steph's point about like when you're in love with someone, you give them a pass in a way that you wouldn't with anyone else. Because when you hear that, that she throws a party for her kid and doesn't invite her husband, like that is very weird behavior. From an outsider, you're like major red flag. But if you're in that relationship, you can figure out a way to justify anything, even something like that. He didn't know these things were happening until it happened. That's when the divorce conversation started. But because she got help and because she came out of there understanding what she did wrong and that she she proclaimed she didn't really want to hurt him and she didn't realize what she was doing, she won him back. But while she's talking out of one face, the other face is also exiting this psychiatric ward with a new girlfriend in tow. She had a pretty sweet gig, it sounds like. Like she can spend his money. He's not going to leave her. So when did it all turn or hit hit a head, I guess? 
At 3.13 on October 2nd, 1999, Steve Beard was home sleeping. Someone entered the home through a side door and quietly made their way to Steve's bedroom. The intruder shot him with a shotgun. He woke up bleeding and in agony and called 911. When the police and paramedics arrived at his mansion, Steve was found lying in his bed, holding his intestines from a hole in his abdomen. Paramedics thought Steve had ruptured a surgical incision. As more police arrived, Celeste and her daughter Christina appeared from a separate wing of the house. Apparently, the women had been in the house the entire time, but didn't hear a thing. After airlifting Steve to a hospital, the police searched his bedroom and found a shell casing from a shotgun. This was no ruptured incision. This was attempted murder. Here's Steve's 911 call. Emergency. Hey, the ambulance, hurry. My guts just came out of my stomach. They blew out. Yeah, they blew out of my stomach. I'm in bed. Okay, sir, how did I'm in awful pain. Oh, my God. Crazy that he was able to make that call. As that happens, I mean, you think when someone gets shot in the stomach or their guts fly out for whatever reason, they're probably not able to do that. He didn't think he was shot. Nobody thought he was shot. He thought he had like an appendix explosion and it protruded through his stomach. He was so fast asleep. Imagine how loud a shotgun is and for nobody in the whole house to hear it, including the guy who was shot by the shotgun right how big is this house that celeste and her kids can be somewhere else and like you said to him she gives him all these sleeping pills so he was probably really zonked out whenever he was shot he really didn't hear anything at all i mean it is a wonder he even woke up to call 911, like you said but he survived so obviously he was alive and has enough strength to call 911. So why is Celeste in the house, though? So she couldn't have arranged it because she was there with her daughter. Well, here's what we know, that as paramedics carried Steve away, Celeste burst into tears and started screaming, don't let him die, don't let him die. Later at the hospital, the police tested Celeste and her daughters both for gunpowder residue on their hands. Because remember, they found the shotgun shell. They also asked them if they knew anyone who would be angry enough at Steve or who would want to cause him harm. We also do know in interviewing other people in Steve's circle and at the hospital, Tracy's name comes up all the time. Celeste's daughters actually went to the police and said, we have a really bad feeling about this Tracy character. So now here they are. They finally have the life they always dreamed of and they feel really safe with Steve and safe in the life they've now moved into. Tracy's going to really ruin this for them. So they were really helpful to the police because A, they didn't want to lose their stepfather. He had given them so much. And also they didn't want this whole great life to get screwed up. Police, you know, had heard Tracy's name from other sources as well. So the police go to Tracy's house to speak to her about Steve's murder. And well, Tracy just spills. Tracy admits to having an affair with Celeste. Um, that they were lovers, that this has been going on for a while, you know, everything that Celeste had told her about Steve. And, and then the police ask a question. They ask Tracy if she owns a shotgun. And what do we think happens? She hands over her 20-gauge shotgun, which, by the way, had her name embossed on it. And the police are able to trace the shell casing left at the scene to Tracy and her embossed 20-gauge shotgun. 
So just six days later after the shooting, Tracy Tarleton was arrested for shooting Steve with a shotgun. And he's still alive? He's totally still alive. He's not only still alive, he doesn't believe his wife at the time, Celeste, has anything to do with this. Steve was in the hospital for four months, and during this time, Celeste would visit him constantly. She sat at his bedside and made sure he got the best care. So, despite their rocky past, Steve has a change of heart about divorcing his wife. To show just how much he had forgiven her, he changed his will to give her a bigger share of So what he does is he goes to his lawyers and has them start adjusting and updating all of his will and testament to give her even more money because Stop. she... No, I'm not kidding. And make sure that she's even more well taken care of for her and her daughters in case something happens to him. All the while... This is happening while he's in the hospital. Do we know if Steve was told about Tracy getting arrested and all this? Like, weren't the police talking to him and presenting the, what happened? And that didn't change his mind about his wife? Yeah, good question, because Steve has a lot of resources. He's a wealthy man. I'm sure, thankfully, he's getting the best possible care at the hospital because he has enough money to pay for it. But he also probably has enough money to get a really serious investigation going if, you know, to even help with the police to figure out who did this. She was always able, when he was kind of walking away from her, she always had an uncanny way of pulling him back in and even stronger than they were before. So I think, you know, he has this traumatic thing happen and I think she's playing to the hilt. You know, don't let him die and I love him. And he's, you know, she's she's sitting with him. And, And also he's very sick, he's on medication. So, you know, where is his concern? Probably that his wife is there and his daughters are taking care of him. I don't think he's looking outside of that. Not at all. Tim, please tell me that she's not in on this because if she would allow one of her daughters to be in the home when that daughter's beloved stepfather is murdered, that's a real sicko defense. Like that's her alibi, right? That's her alibi. But you got to remember all along, She's been doing these very illegal criminal things by poisoning his food, giving him alcohol that's going to knock him out. But in front of the girls, they are the ones who are conflicted of, can we say something? What? She's our mother. This is our, the, the man who is, who's providing for us. They're really not understanding. Like They're young. I mean, old yeah. enough to know, 18. Yeah, this is crazy. And not only did she go spending his money, But she decided to go out while her husband's in the hospital and buy an $80,000 watch. Either she knows her time is running out or she truly is in love with herself and nobody else matters. On January 22nd, 2000, an ailing Steve died from an infection in his lungs It had been brought on by complications from the shooting. At the time of his passing, Steve was worth $10 million. And that money goes to her? Part of it. The other part goes to his five surviving children. Yeah, Celeste to receive assets and property totaling $6.5 million. And like Tim said, the rest would be divided up between Steve's five children, his three adult biological kids, and then Celeste's twins, who he adopted, as we know. This is like a three-month. October is when he gets shot, and January is when he dies. What's happening with Tracy? She was arrested pretty quickly, but is she in jail? 
or what? She ultimately is able to pay her bail and continues to see Celeste. But with, you know, within months of that, Tracy say, said that they mutually agreed to end that relationship. So after all this, Tracy and Celeste part ways. And is Celeste also brought into authorities because she was commiserating? So what happened was Celeste got what she needed from Tracy. She got her to get rid of this person who was the only roadblock between her and the money. However, once Steve died, the bank refused to pay out. They wanted a criminal investigation done which is very rare. However, there were extenuating circumstances. The bank put a hold until an investigation was complete. And right before the completion of the investigation, where Tracy was arrested and detained moments before given her sentence, she made a plea deal with the state and turned state's evidence and testified against Celeste. Why? What drove her to do that? What would drive her to do that would be that she found out that Celeste got remarried again and denied that she was ever in any kind of physical, emotional um, relationship with Tracy at all. And so that was the rude awakening that Tracy really needed to open her eyes and say, I've been played. Here's everything I know in wow. terms of state's evidence. So Tracy's obviously a killer, but also a little feel bad for her. Her, her heart just got broken. Yeah, I don't feel that bad for Tracy, but I do feel for her that she was another victim of Celeste. I do feel bad she was another victim. Let's stop here for another quick break. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets 
that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Is it possible that Celeste targeted Tracy inside of that psychiatric ward? Because at that point, she already knew she wanted to get divorced. Maybe she was able to convince Tracy to hang in there and actually pull this off. Is it possible that Celeste had this plan from the start? Everybody was targeted in Celeste's life. So that doesn't, wouldn't surprise me at all, but it's really manipulative. And I bet you she probably did. You're probably exactly right. She signed an agreement. If this marriage was going to end after three years, she was going to get like another lump sum. I think at his, at his peak, he was worth something like $16 million and she's going to walk away with 500000 So hell no, she does not want a divorce. That's the last thing she wants. But here she is, you know, where, where do you go to find someone who's broken in some way, who's easy to manipulate? A hospital. I do think that she knew exactly what she was doing and what she was planning the whole time because a divorce was not the way that she was leaving this marriage. She wanted to leave with, with her money and she wanted to leave with all the stuff, the jewelry, the furs. She wants to go gambling. She wanted to do whatever she wanted. And the only way to do that was to get rid of Steve. That's so sad. Tracy realizes she was manipulated and that Celeste lied to her about her relationship with Steve. And she takes action. In March of 2002, uh, three years after Steve was shot and just two days before her own trial is set to begin, Tracy cuts a deal with the prosecutor. In exchange for a 20-year sentence, Tracy said she would testify that it was Celeste who planned the murder of her husband. I mean, that blows me away because she was holding the shotgun. She murdered a man in cold blood because he was having an affair with the man's wife. One other thing that happened that's really messed up that Celeste asked her daughters to do and her daughter's boyfriends is she asked them if they would all commit suicide together right before she was about to be arrested when she found out Tracy turned state's evidence, which meant they were coming after her. And that's when we knew we had to go to the FBI ourselves. And that's when the two girls and boyfriends went to the FBI as well. You know who she reminds me of? Her mother, her biological mother who said, I'm not your mother, I was just your incubator. That's exactly what it's like, right? Because there's no emotional connection or never mind love but there's no connection to these kids. In fact, Christina went on record and said, I never felt like I was her daughter. I felt like I was her personal assistant to do and get anything she wanted. And so this lady, Tracy, Celeste was manipulating her to believe that she was the one and only and that she was being abused by Steve and that this was a horrible situation that she can't get out of. And so not that it makes it right at all, because it doesn't. But you have to understand also, she manipulated this person into believing she was in love with her and that in Tracy's weirdo kind of defense, she said on the stand, she was in love and she couldn't bear the thought of seeing the person she was in love with 
being manipulated or hurt by this man. So she, in her weird way, was thinking she was helping. Good point. That's a I really mean, good point. The, she just, I mean, literally swung from people's lives to other people's lives, wreaking havoc, spending money, doing whatever she wanted, thinking that it was never going to catch up to her. Mm-hmm. And, and she truly loved herself more than anyone else. Two years after Steve Beard's shooting, Celeste was arrested and charged with capital murder. She hired Dick DeGuren, a high-powered attorney, the same man who represented the likes of Robert Durst and David Koresh. DeGuren painted Celeste's ex, Tracy, as an obsessive, lovesick woman with a delusional fantasy. He went as far as to say the two women were just friends, nothing more. The DA responded by saying Celeste was a mentally ill woman who used Tracy to get rid of Steve so she could inherit millions of dollars. At the trial, with all of Austin watching, Celeste's daughters took the stand. But they weren't there to defend their mother. Instead, they were testifying for the prosecution. However, it's really Tracy's testimony that brings the story full circle. Here she is on the stand. She had a plan, and she wanted me to shoot him at Toro Canyon with my shotgun. What did she say about exactly how she wanted you to shoot him? She wanted me to shoot him in the stomach. Why did she want you to shoot him in the stomach? Because she didn't want splatter. She didn't want blood splatter on the wall. Okay. Is, is that the word she used, splatter? She used splatter. Okay. Um, did she say why she didn't want a blood splatter on the wall? She, at the time, was not planning on redecorating. So she wanted to continue to be in that room but not mess it up? Excuse me, that's the thing that suggested. Sustain us to that question. Um, so yes. She didn't want to redecorate and she didn't want to live with anything on the wall that would remind her of what happened, I guess. So after you saw Steve Beard and you um, were in there in the bedroom, what... If anything, did you do? I walked to the foot of the bed and I shot him in the stomach. It's insane. Wow. So you're going to still stay in that house. You're going to still stay in that bedroom. I understand the twins, Christina and Jennifer, now like in their early 20s, confirmed their mom's contempt for Steve. They told the court their mom was a liar. Christina said her mom would make comments like, why, does he, why doesn't he just die already? They went on to explain the whole crushing of drugs into his food. It was really damning and so so sad to watch this happening. And Celeste, of course, completely denied all of this. You know, Celeste denied everything and claimed the twins were out for money because if she was convicted, they would each get $2 million. So she was trying to say, you know, they're lying and they have a vested interest in me going to jail because they're gonna get $2 million each. I mean, they love Steve, they were telling the truth. The girls were honest. They told exactly the truth, and I honestly think that Celeste got exactly what she deserved. In 2003, after two and a half days of deliberation, the jury found Celeste Beard guilty of capital murder, and she was sentenced to life in prison. After serving 10 years, Tracy Tarleton was released on parole in August of 2011. 
She said there wasn't a single day that went by without feeling shame for what she did. Celeste Beard is now divorced from her fifth husband and continues to maintain that she did not have a hand in killing Steve. She will be eligible for parole on April 1st, 2042. Crazy in Love is produced by Stephanie Lidecker, Beth Greenwald, Chris Graves, Lisa DiGiovine, Jeff Shane, Tim Hamilton, and me, Courtney Armstrong. Editing and sound design by Jeff Twa. Additional editing by Davey Cooper Wasser. Crazy in Love is a production of iHeartRadio and KT Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.